Hey guys, this is Take This Cup. Join three bad Catholics, and I mean bad, with good, like really good, intentions. We may be borderline heretic, but we have great drink recommendations, and we have even better drunken Catholic conversations, because drunk words are spiritual truths, or something like that. Right? Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Took the life of another man. Now is my soul to be condemned I have trouble sleeping at night I just sleep when you're on the light Eight o'clock in the whole damn room County jail in the middle of June We're uh, recording together again We're just busting out episodes because we're having a little fun Spending time together, but it's a unique situation Because we get to spend time with Matt's girlfriend Who's in the building Izzy, what's up? How are you? Hi. Hello, hello. We wanted Izzy on today because one, often we don't have guests, which is kind of new to us. So it's cool to have someone in the building and we just want to talk to you. The cooler part is, is that you, unlike us, are a recent convert to Catholicism. I was born Catholic. I was confirmed on a whim. I don't even have a certificate. But she does. (laughs) But she does. I don't have a patron saint. I was just kind of born that way. But you... I don't know how it happened or where it happened, but you are a convert to Catholicism, which I think is a unique story that I think all of us are kind of interested in. Hopefully our listeners are because they're probably all womb Catholics too. But uh, No, man, our our target market is the atheists. Oh, that's right. Remember? The holy atheists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. that's what we're looking yes, for. Yes. So shout out atheists. But I mean, those those atheists were probably baptized Catholic. Yeah, we're also right. down for like the ex-Muslim atheists or... Oh, okay. <laughs> You're right, you're right there. Yeah, we're yeah. down for any atheists. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Also down for the converts. That's what we're really here for today. Izzy, I don't really have many questions. I mean, we talked a little bit about what you're like, but can you tell us a little bit, like, where did this begin? <laughs> like, you're Catholic now, and at a time you weren't, right? Yeah. So what what is life before Catholicism? Well, I was born and raised by my grandparents who took me to church every Sunday, But it was a Korean church. So my idea of church before turning Catholic was kind of skewed because I didn't really associate church with the, oh, let's praise the Lord. Let's get to know him and better ourselves. But it was more of like a social gathering. It's a time for people to socialize, brag about themselves, their kids, and just (laughs) gossip. So that idea wasn't the best for me. So I kind of like strayed away from church when I was little. And then it wasn't until high school that I started to be involved in my youth group. And this is like a Catholic youth group? No, this is a Baptist church. Yeah. So, and I've been to masses before with my friends at Catholic churches and it was, I thought it was boring back then. I didn't know what was happening. Everyone knew what to do, when to kneel, what to say. And I was like, this is kind of weird. I don't know. I guess I didn't really have a good view of Catholic churches either, but it wasn't until I got involved with my youth group that I started to see okay, it doesn't always have to be this way. It doesn't always have to be about socializing and gossiping, but it can be anything you want it to be. But that's what it was like for me. Did you think Catholics were like culty? Like what was your view of like, if someone told you they were Catholic, what was your like thought process? Uh, I don't know if culty is the right word, but I can see where you're coming from with that word. Like if someone came up to me and said, oh, I'm Baptist. Like, I mean, that's Mm-hmm. Now I'm at a mature age where it's like, oh, that's cool. But like, I think like 10 years ago, I would have been like, ooh, you're Baptist. Like, I'm Catholic. <laughs> you know, there's clearly like a difference. But I've never 
heard it from the reverse side because I've always hung around Catholics. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in like, how do people even view Catholics? Like, yeah, what's the stereotype? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess like very conservative, traditional people is uh, what I would say. And that's not something you wanted. Like your youth group gave you something different. Yeah, we're very, um, I don't know, new school, I guess. I don't know if you guys had youth groups oh, yeah, in Catholic sure. churches. For sure. But Jesus life. I guess like how <laughs> I saw it was, okay, Catholic church, very traditional, very conservative. Um, you have to be on your best behavior, all that stuff. But in my Baptist church and my youth group, we just kind of hung out. And it was like a very discussion based. Nothing was very formal. There were no rules in terms of, okay, you kneel at this time, you say this back to the priest and et cetera. But then you decided to join a church that does have those rules. Yes. Somehow. So that's unique too, because you didn't grow up like super churchy. Well, you went to church, you had the experience of church, but then you became more involved in like the the new evangelization of exploring your faith with others and things like that being very fluid, precisely because you weren't interested in like this rigid kind of process of prayer, right? But the church, admittedly, I think is pretty rigid, at least mass-wise, right? Like, this is how we do it all yeah. the time. If that's not what you wanted, why did you feel called to, like, explore that more? Mm-hmm. During my freshman and maybe sophomore year of college, I drifted away from the church that I... I guess, like, worked really hard to get to when I was in my youth group. I started getting involved with other things. And, you know, when you're young and you're really interested in just, like, stepping out of your comfort zone and getting to know people, making a big group of friends, you kind of put church and God on the back burner, which is exactly what I did. And it wasn't until I saw someone on campus that I knew back when I was younger who's (coughs) very involved with the church still, and he— just never straight away. He was like the epitome of, okay, that is a child of God. And he asked me how I was doing in terms of my faith. And I was hesitant to say anything because I knew that I didn't go to church on Sunday anymore or did anything. So that kind of like sparked something in me. And then the group of friends that I started hanging out with were interested in going to church with me. So we all ended up going to this one church on campus. I was easily accessible. And the first sermon that I heard at that church, which is Greenhouse in Gainesville, which is awesome, by the way. Um, shout out Greenhouse. Gainesville. Shout out. He's Pastor Mike is really awesome. He inspired me. Like It was as if the sermon he was talking about and the issues that he was going through was exactly what I was going through. And I remember crying at that service and just being inspired. And then we made it a thing where we would just go to church every Sunday together as a group of friends. Wow. And this wasn't Catholic, though. No, this was still like a Baptist Christian church. Dang. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever, I mean, I've probably had that moment in like youth groups. I don't know if you guys had it in like Youth for Christ where it's like, it like it spoke to you. And Mm -hmm. so you stuck around. But I don't know if I've had that experience in mass because that's like service. That's not just a youth group, you know, friends Mm -hmm. getting together. That's like an organized place where a accredited person can speak to your heart. Like he's, that's his job. But I don't think in our youth group, like that's necessarily the, the ask of us. If it happens, it happens. That's great. But we don't go to mass expecting to be touched. I think, I don't know if you guys have, I go to, I'm, I'm more likely to go to a youth conference to be touched than I am to go to mass or a service to be touched. 
I find myself trying to look for a way that like the homily or something like kind of relates to my life. So it, it's kind of more of me searching than actually it finding me like, like in her case. I also think that in mass, there's just such a huge demographic that it's hard to really create something that will affect someone, right? right. But I do think, I mean, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I do think at times when we were at a youth conference growing up, that there were masses that had really good homilies because it was just us. It was just the youth in that conference, you know, like... I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm sure Father Celsus had like a dope <laughs> homily, right? Sticking Father Celsus, yeah. Shout out Father Celsus. <laughs> Come on the podcast whenever you can. Oh. What, is, what was his hey. uh, catchphrase? Hey. Hello. Hello. That's hello. Right, that's right. hello. Um, so you have this amazing experience at a service. And I think that's common for most converts, right? Is like something speaks to them. But in our case, when I've talked to a lot of the people I talked to at this focus retreat, they had... They were all baptized Catholic, lukewarm the whole way. And then they have this moment with either at a service or in adoration or some sort of Catholic thing. But you had your moment when a Baptist person spoke to you, right? Yes. And so that made you a stronger Christian. Mm-hmm. So where's the line between Christian and Catholic for you? Like, when did that happen? Every service that I went to, I just felt myself continuously being inspired and moved and it was like such a great feeling like I would start keeping journals and bringing them to the services and writing things um, so that I could look back and remember because I'm a very visual person so I like reading things to just you know stick it to my memory but I was just so surrounded by other Catholics that whenever they would invite me to mass I would attend because you were on fire I was just like, why not experience something different? I mean, we're all praising the same God. Why Why not? Like, what's stopping me? Nothing was. But I guess it wasn't until I started dating Jan, that who is Catholic, obviously, because he's on this Woo-hoo. podcast. Um, but a bad one. A bad Catholic. With good intentions, though. Good, good. Hey, yes. Good, good intentions. Yes. <laughs> um, it wasn't until I started dating Jan, and then he would speak about what being Catholic was really about the structure of all the masses, that it's the same across the world, essentially. No matter where you end up, even if it's in like Germany or France or something else, and you go to Catholic mass, it's the same. Like you'll never feel out of place, essentially, which I just really thought about because a lot of Christians tend to church hop until they feel like they belong at that church based upon who's there, who's giving the services and who they connect to. Um, so I really like the idea of that. And he also said something about how he wouldn't marry someone who wasn't Catholic. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, Conversion. I'm not Catholic. But I don't want people to think that he was the main reason why I decided to convert. He definitely was the first person to plant that seed in my brain that why not? And my best friend at the time, who was my my roommate, just happened to have a flyer <laughs> for a church that had like a open house type of thing for RCIA. And she invited me to. And I was like, is this kind of like the perfect setup where like I'm thinking about it already and then I'm getting invited. So right. I decided to go. 
So it's just like the plan just fell into place yeah. kind of thing. And I don't, I don't think Matt, I think Matt, yes, he's very abrasive and coercive with his faith, which is a good thing. He's, <laughs> he's the evangelist of the group. But like the way you speak about, I mean, clearly the seed was already there. Matt just happened to be along the path. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think if Matt wasn't there, it would have been any different because he still had that something speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find it super unique that through the Christian church, and through having Catholic friends who maybe might have been just lukewarm, but they're just around you, you you felt called to attend the Catholic mass. Yeah. And then you felt called and then things start falling into place. Mm-hmm. That's not a question for you to answer of how does that happen? But like it happened, which is super kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I think God likes to out. work that way, though. You know, like he just likes giving you those kind of breadcrumbs and, and things to, just to kind of keep you moving along to the direction that you want to go to, you know? Yeah. For sure. So you had mentioned RCIA for us bad Catholics out there. What does that stand for? Because oh uh, to be honest, I'm what not even sure. For? Right of Christian it's a, initiation. It's the no. It's the ritual. Is it right? I think it is right. Aren't those right, right, aren't right and ritual the same thing? Well, I, no. Like not. right. R I T E. Anyway, like them, they went to um, Catholic middle school and high school and grade school. Um, so they learned, they had catechism their whole life. I went to public school my whole life and had no catechism. So I, I might need to attend this RCIA thing, which is stands for? The Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. Of the adults. A is adults. So, oh. Yeah. oh, yeah, because I've seen RCIY of, youth? of youth. I've yeah, never seen that. I've seen that. Same. So I'm interested in like, what is R? Is it like AA? Is it like... <laughs> <laughs> Where you like, well, I, I want to be a Catholic, you know, and like, I want to be better or something. And like, uh-huh. do you study? Like, do you have homework? Like, if you don't pass, do you not become a Catholic? And should lukewarm Catholics be going through RCA? Like, how helpful was going through RCA to your conversion? Or where did yeah. you feel? Faith in general. To your faith. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to your faith. Yeah. That's a good question. I loved the RCA process. Hmm. And I think Jan can attest to that because I would talk about it a lot. Yeah. I was always excited to go through it, but I think it's different at every Catholic church because I actually have a friend who went through the RCIA process after me at a different Catholic church. And when we talked about what we both went through, it was a little bit different. But the one I went through was at Holy Faith in Gainesville. Also really great. Shout out Holy Faith. (laughs) Um, And essentially it was every Sunday we would attend the mass. We would listen to the homily and then be dismissed to meet as a group. And you didn't have to be baptized. You could just be like a regular person just wanting to know more about the faith. <laughs> not that not baptized you know, people those aren't regular Gentiles. people. <laughs> Anyways, but we would be dismissed to go to like a different part of the church and just to talk about the homily, the readings, the gospel. And really, I think I just had a great group as well because it was very discussion based. We were basically read what it was like around the time where Jesus was like practicing and how that fit into what we wanted to get out of it. And I had like a professor of philosophy there and she was just like amazing at just providing her interpretation of what she got out of the readings and the gospel itself. And it seemed like when everyone shared their thoughts, it was just so different, but we were all reading the same thing. So RCIA essentially was just a time for us to like 
facilitate discussion, learn more about the readings, Jesus's life, and just like connect as a group. And that sense of community really touched me. Can you speak a little bit to the demographics that were part of your RCIA group? Sure. So I had, it was me and then another, a younger girl who was still in high school. And then there was a couple, a husband and a wife. And then there was an older gentleman, um, maybe in his 50s. And then there was that professor of philosophy. And then Uh, it was a very diverse group. That's so That's interesting awesome. that like yeah. people like get drawn to this somehow. I just don't like why would why would anyone have to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the craziest thing is like when you think faith formation in the Catholic Church, you always think in the same demographic, right? It's always youths, young right. adults, older kind of uh, I don't know what to call them, but older gentlemen Servants and gentle women, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just think that it's interesting that that's just a very diverse group and it worked out well, right? It wasn't like this high school girl was like, I'm too cool for you old people. Peace. Right. It's not like forced, like, oh, all the youth, because your parents bring you to church, like all the youth gather here and talk about your faith. Like no one's forced to go to RCIA. Exactly. It's voluntary. Like you choose to be there. That's so interesting. So when you guys were in grade school and middle school, high school, was there any type of like formation, like catechism in that way? Yeah. So thinking... All Catholic schools, everyone takes at least one religion class. It's always different. Yeah, I mean, the religion class is there like every year. Like, I guess it's part of us kind of growing in our faith as we're growing as humans. Yeah, on that, I think the, the elementary school, the middle school stuff, not super useful. I don't know what Sunday school is like for people because that's really what... People are comparing it to is it because I've talked to my parents about it because I wasn't going to Sunday school and some people were. And I was like, why is that the case? And they were saying, well, since you go to Catholic school, I don't we don't think you need that. I mean, did you feel like you were growing in your faith in your religion class? In high school is really where it kicked in. And I don't know if that's a function of us being in the youth group and kind of like having the spiritual emotion on the weekends in combination with the theology that Jesuit provides. I I can't speak to other Catholic schools, but, and, and I didn't even realize it while I was in high school. It was years later in college when I would see people's theology foundation, like long, long Catholics, like practicing Catholics and just the, the foundation that Jesuit gave me theologically, super strong. And so, so no, I think in elementary and middle school, it felt more like busy work, but it did get you in the practice of knowing the terms, going to church once a month was something that we did at my school, but really high school is where theologically it kicked in. And in particular, it's Jesuit. See, so my question to you, Izzy, is like the way you talk about it, it's as if like there is a sound theology, right? Which I agree with, but you go to this RCIA group and is there like a wrong answer or is like everyone just sharing how they feel about things? Is it just like, this is how, what I think of the gospel or is it like class where it's like, no, this is what the gospel says and this is the truth. Well, the person leading all the RCIA discussions as well as just the process in general had like a booklet and I think it helped him stimulate discussion in terms of asking the right questions. But I don't think there was ever like, this is the right answer. Because if you really think about it, every single mass, you've maybe heard the same reading before, but the homily is always so different. 
it doesn't have to be the same True. because you can have so many different interpretations for the same readings. And I think that's what I ended up getting out of the whole process was just how does this reading, how does this homily, the the gospel relate to me and how can I improve based upon what oh. I think that this means? Because whenever the father like gives a homily himself, he's doing his interpretation and it may not True. really fit me at that time and place, but if I go home and I read it or discuss it with my RCIA class, it might spark something in me that I hadn't thought about before where it can relate to me. True. So basically, y'all were just giving homilies to each other at this Basically. <laughs> well, yeah, our interpretation. Yeah. Interesting. I never thought of it that way, that you hear the same thing every three years because the Catholic calendar is the ABC. <laughs> but yeah, the message changes every time. Man, I don't know like what makes it so... Like you can get that in any church though, right? You can get that in a Baptist church. You can get that in a Lutheran church, a, a mega church at Hillsong, whatever. But what about being Catholic? Yeah, I guess like the universality of it is really amazing. But like what makes someone believe that the bread is body? You know, like that's, yeah, it's in the gospels and you read about it and I'm sure you shared about it. Like, whoa, when mm -hmm. Christ breaks bread, he says it's his body and I, and I get that. But what makes you get that and i think i asked that because i don't know if i think i believe it because it's been beaten into me <laughs> literally like, <clears throat> since my birth and so it makes sense to me only because it's the only thing i know yeah and so it's touched me in that way but how do you accept that this body this bread becomes the body of christ or i don't know if you guys have an answer for that too or anyone in the room that's tough well, at Baptist Church, whenever we did communion, it was, this represents the body of Christ and this represents the blood of Christ. Um, so I always knew that it represented those things. Um, but I don't know exactly how to answer that question because I feel like the whole process was just like a buildup and an accumulation of just so many things. And coming into wanting to even go through the process in general, right. I just knew that it was just going to change me, but I wanted it because before I even said yes to joining and finding a sponsor, I talked to my pastor about it and asked him, I'm thinking of converting to Catholicism. What do you think? And he just said, he was very supportive, first of all, and he just said, do what your heart tells you. If God is calling you in a different way, then why don't you just go for it? And I felt like going to all the services at Greenhouse, it was building me up to that point to finally say yes to something. And then going through all those discussions and getting close to my RCA family, it just triggered something in me like, this is it. This I finally feel like I'm here. Whoa. This is home. Whoa. That's, that's awesome. That's tough, man. Because I, I think I have the same moment where it's like, I, I really do believe it, but it's so hard to put into words. Like, how do we accept that this piece of bread is Christ, like is flesh? Because I think that's what's central to the Catholic faith, right? It's, mm -hmm. Yes, it's universal. You can go to a Lutheran church in the Philippines and it'd be the same service. But what makes Catholics, I think, completely different is that we believe that Christ becomes the bread. And I think it's so hard to like, like for someone to buy in theologically on that it's like you can't study that you can't go to rca and learn it it's like you have to experience it but you 
you weren't intaking this body, but you were t- speaking about it and hearing it in gospel and sharing it. And then you just felt like you had to have it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so for me, I think my belief, like what, what brings me to believe that the bread is Jesus Christ and that there is transubstantiation is that it's just strictly church history, right? The fact that there's been 2,000 years of church history in the Catholic Church that is documented that has supported this, right? That we, the Catholic Church, literally have theologians who are like studying this, that are writing books on it, studying older books on it. Right. And so I think that's really what I like about the Catholic Church is that we have history, we have the papers, um, and like that's why I think that the Catholic Church fits what I guess what I need and how my faith is. So I, I think um, the argument against mm-hmm. that is like, so it's just like older brother mentality because he's older and he knows more, he's right. I think also, even though there is that church history and there's a lot of like support historically on it and all that, either way, like there is that leap of faith. That's the whole mystery of it. That's something that we all have to individually make that commitment and that decision to believe. Yeah, I think I'm in that boat where it's just like, I don't think there is like, yeah, Jesus says it, but so does every other priest. But it's just like you have to believe it. That's, that's the leap That's of a faith. personal battle. So I could be wrong. You could be wrong. But we can't argue it, right? I mean, you could argue it. You could argue for it. You could argue against it. Yeah, I mean, the church has changed stances on things. Theology evolves. True, true. My thing is the Catholic Church theology evolves with reference to church history. You know, it's okay. not the Pope saying, well, murder is cool now, so True. not a big deal. Let's just do it. You know, that there, like you can't just be like, okay, that murder is cool. Let's just change the rules. It's like, okay, where in the Bible does it say that murder is cool? Or right, right, like right. it has to be supported. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the like straight edge in me that I just want the paperwork to show. Again, that's just what I like about the Catholic Church. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's what draws... A lot of us into it is that it's just like the most complete. We don't believe anything without actually having support for it or actual like written works or like like a, a rationale behind believing something. You know what I mean? That makes you irrational though, right? I sound like the devil here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's, there's rationale. I mean, there's logic into believing things. There's logic. I, I feel like that's part of the Catholic theology is that logically... This stuff makes sense. But at a certain point, there has to be a leap of faith. Yeah. Right? That's true, yeah. Like, you can make everything up logically and it all makes sense, but at a certain point, it doesn't. And that's when you have to believe, right? And does that happen at transubstantiation? I wasn't really speaking to the transubstantiation anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm just, (laughs) in general, because that is like Catholic, very Catholic. I'm just saying that's like a Catholic belief you have to believe in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, there, I mean, there's also study, right? Like, people have dropped the host and then blood drips from it, right? But that's not supposed to make you believe. That's supposed to only strengthen I mean, your belief. Yeah. I mean, that's the mystery of it. You know what I mean? That's, that is the point where you have to believe, okay, yeah, this is the body of Christ as opposed to this represents the body of Christ. But in the case where someone dropped a host and there was blood coming from it, that shouldn't be a proof for you, right, that this is the body of Christ. 
Like you should have believed that otherwise. My comment on that is that that's what it takes to grow in faith. You may not believe it all the time. True. Right. There might be some weeks, months, years where you're just like, I don't believe this anymore. But for us as Catholics, we need to try. Whether it's like reading theology or going to mass more. Okay. So my question to you, Izzy, is what type of Catholic are you? Are you the, we need to try Catholic and just fake it till we make it and we believe that it's true? Or is it, are you one of those Catholics who just like believes? I would probably say the second one. Interesting. I've never heard that story about when the host fell and then blood came out of it. Yeah. That's really intriguing. We've all heard the saying, seeing is believing, but that's not something that you can say for religion. And I think that's right. the beauty in religion. It's the faith going into the unknown and just having faith that that's just how it's supposed to be. I think there's just so much beauty in learning about it. Would we all be Catholic if everyone truly believes in God? Hmm. Well. Yeah, I don't know the answer either. I, don't know. <laughs> I was, like, I I was just genuinely curious <laughs> of, of what the answer to that is. Because I, mean, I think it'd be guess, nice if yeah. we were ethically and morally the same ethics and the same morals. You know what I mean? But everybody has the right to free will. Everybody has the right to believe what they want and. Many religions too, there's there's tolerance and there's a way for us to all coexist, which right. I think is good. I mean, I think that was a great thing when you were considering being Catholic and you were um, seeking help from your pastor in the Baptist church. He wasn't like, no, no, they, they believe in something else. He left it up to you, which yeah. I mean, I think that's something we should all be in support of each other is like everybody has their own journey. And I think we should support each other for that. That was very kind of you, Joe. <laughs> I think if everyone was Catholic, there's a book called Silence by Endo, some something Endo. It's a it's about the Jesuit priests who go to Japan to convert the Japanese, and there's no like way to celebrate Mass in Japanese at this point. But so they start using words. They compare God to the actual sun, or Jesus Christ to the rising sun, and they use that language. I think. Truly, anyone who believes in God is called to be Catholic. And I say that because all around the world, there are different ways to celebrate Mass, but they all incorporate things from the language that they use, the, the culture and the traditions that are available to those people. But at the core of it is that they know that God is present somehow. Yeah. We call it blood. And I think it, being God, calls everyone to recognize that whether it be through their language or whatever. So I think if we all truly believed in God, we would all be Catholic. Catholic. And I think that's the mindset that evangelists have, St. Paul. Like, I I know God and everyone else will too, kind of thing. Like, he converted thousands of people. So I think that's the mindset that you have to have. Like, I think he was someone who truly believed in God. Maybe I doubt him, but that makes me human. Interesting questions. Kind of to end on a happier note, you mentioned your confirmation saint and getting your sponsor. Who is your sponsor and why? Like, what makes them a good Catholic? To Like, are they still supportive of your journey as a Catholic? Who's your confirmation saint and why? Because I don't have one. And I just <laughs> never picked one. So, so I'm kind of interested in how that process works. Yeah, so... You have to pick a sponsor before the RCIA process starts. Oh. Um, and you get to choose who that sponsor is. I mean, they have to be Catholic. <laughs> but if you don't have anyone because you don't know someone, they provide one for you. Someone who is a member of the church that you're going through. I asked my roommate, Ada, 
to be my sponsor. Shout out, Ada. Hey, Ada. Shout out. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't just because, I mean, the convenience of, oh, we live together. She's like my best friend. Was she the one with the flyer? She is the one oh, with right. the flyer. Okay. Her mom okay. is actually the one who gave it to her, telling her to give it to me. So oh, God moms. works in mysterious ways. But I asked her because she is very involved in her faith. And I don't think it's just because she was raised in that kind of setting because her parents are very involved in the Catholic community and are leaders in a lot of the communities. But she just embodies a lot of the qualities and virtues that I hope to have in myself. So even though she's younger than me, I saw her as a role model in that sense. And I thought she'd just be like the perfect person to ask. She was one of the main people to, to help me on my journey to become Catholic. I asked her a lot of questions and she answered a lot of them. Even the ones that she didn't know the answers to, she would go out of her way to look it up or ask her wow. family to tell me. Because I think a lot of the times people who were raised in the Catholic community forget why things are done a certain way. Right. They're mm -hmm. just like, we do this. Oh, why? Um, nice. I don't know. So she knew a lot of those answers or she would just go out of her way to tell me them. But at the very end of our process, after Easter, we like had kind of like a closing meeting with the group and our sponsors were able to attend. They got to attend everything that we went to actually. And we just kind of discussed how this journey has impacted us. And the sponsors also got to talk about their journey being a sponsor because they're also growing with us as well. And right. I think that's the best part that you get to grow with so many different people. And just hearing her talk about how this process strengthened her relationship with God made me really emotional and we just ended up crying about it. But she was my sponsor and she was great. And she still continues to like push me in a lot of ways. But for my saint, they didn't really say that it was that important. So I kind of just picked one on a whim. <laughs> and I picked St. Jude. He's the saint of, from what I've read, lost causes or like people who just lose their way or people who you feel like there's no hope for them. And I related to that because of my upbringing and everything I went through in life. And I thought that I could just relate to it, but I didn't pick it too seriously, I guess is what I'm saying, which looking back, maybe I should have, but it didn't change the outcome. So, I mean, it made you think of him right now. So that's true. St. Jude, true. pray for us. Pray for us. <laughs> pray for us, our lost cause of a podcast. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Stop. Yeah. I mean, do you guys have confirmation saints? No, I, I did the drive-through in the Philippines. Nice, me too. Yeah, man. Drive yeah. yeah. my certificate is a video on YouTube. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's literally a video. Link in the show notes. That's so funny. <laughs> literally, just a video of a dude putting oil on my forehead. Is it like from like three pews back, or is it like in your face? Like no, it was a mask just for me. POV, priest POV. Oh no, he didn't have a GoPro. Oh, no, no, man, no, no, no. My dad was filming. That would have been cool to see, like, the oil dripping. Yeah. No, nah, I didn't have that. But, I mean, I had a confirmation saint because I got confirmed when I was in, like, in the eighth grade. And back holiest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more in touch with my 
faith than I was back then. But I mean, I always liked St. John the Baptist just because of the way that he was able to prepare people for Jesus. There's a whole lot of faith in that alone is just true. Even without knowing who Jesus was before actually meeting him, just having that leap of faith. Very true. Very true. Is he your favorite saint? Um, I mean, I have... Oh, that's a tough. That, that is tough, dude. What? Just because when Everyone you learn has a about favorite saint. well, when you when you learn about saints, you're always just having different saints for different reasons. You know, it's like so a, you're using a team, <laughs> a team of prayer warriors. True. I mean, not necessarily using them because I think they do it out of wanting to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> just wondering if you had a favorite saint. I mean, I, I have several favorites. Like I do like Saint Anthony. Helping me find things that are lost. Oh, true. Yeah, he's cool. I do like uh, Saint Cecilia. You got some randos in there. <laughs> well, she's like the painter saint of music, so. Oh. Yeah. So have you some sort of touch into that. Cool. So, yeah. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know you actually like looked into that, but that's awesome. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> you any any favorite saints? Saint in. John Paul II, the ghost. JP2, the ghost. You know he's got a university now, right? What? John Paul the Great University? No. Yeah, dude. San Diego, California. Wait, it's called John Paul the Great? John Paul the Great. That's dope. The university. Dude. Yeah. Literally no one else in the 2000s has ever gotten the title the Great. great. Like, that is so, like, first millennia. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's Vatican II, man, so... He really is Vatican too. Literally. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, yeah, he's cool. He's cool. My one of my teammates has a picture of him holding him as a baby, which is totally jealous. But wow. it's a cool photo. I uh, went to a mass where he served it once. No way. Yeah. So you consecrated your host. Yeah. Yeah, I think I also went to a mass. What? How y'all be I mean, meeting the Pope? I in the Philippines, I think. Oh, wait, I met well, Pope Francis. Yeah, I didn't yeah. meet him, but I did one of those yeah. matches, too. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to Italy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were also, oh, we cool. did one of the, like, papal addresses. Oh, yeah, tight, so, tight, so tight. Was that a mass? Any... No. no. But he says, what's it's up, It's just right? like a homily. Yes. Yeah, he, like, does it in whatever language he wants to. Sounds like he's dying, right? And then, like, they do, like, translated ones. Oh. Yeah, it's like he, like, speaks in. Like, on the spot? Uh, oh, he. I mean, they each take turns after. Yeah, he, goes. he has readers do the other uh, ones. No, he's not doing seven languages. Just no. Like, no. I don't know. No, I thought they meant like there were like seven people speaking <laughs> at the same like, time, like translating like word for word. No. Uh, he's so cute. He's super cute. I thought he was gonna die when I saw him Why? though, because he's so old and he, he speaks very slowly and like he sounds like he's gonna die. Oh, he can't die. He, he's so cute. Yeah. But anyway, hopefully he doesn't. We're praying for him. The saints are praying for him. Saints are praying for us. Bottoms up. Bottoms, Bottoms up. up. Thanks, Izzy, for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for converting to the one true faith. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Bottoms up. Cheers. 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 All right, now that it's Easter, you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is Roa Robert. That's R-O-A-R-O-B-E-R-T. You can follow me on Twitter at R-M-R-O-A. That's R-M-R-O-A. 
And that's all I'll allow you to follow me on. All right. So my Instagram, which is the only thing I'm going to give out, is going to be the Jan Matt, T-H-E, Jan, J-A-N, Matt, M-A-T-T. All right. My Instagram, J-O dot E-R-E-M-O. My Instagram is Izzy Wonton. Mine sounds so childish compared to everybody's. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It's okay. <laughs> Mine was a face. <laughs> it was a face. This has been Take This Cup. Thanks for listening. Give us a review down below. Check out our show notes for anything we've shout out. And definitely a shout out to Quasi Mojo for the music intro and outro. They're a great band. Find them on all platforms. And you can find us on Apple iTunes. We'll see you next week.